And the timer's running. Welcome to Forging Worlds, everybody. I'm Matt. And I'm Alan. And uh, this is our fourth episode of this world. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're going to be kind of putting some finishing touches on this uh, today, just kind of filling in the last few details of the world itself. And next episode is going to be our last one for this world. Uh, So, man, Alan, we're almost done. We, uh, We created a place. Right? It's kind of weird. Kind of awesome, but also kind of weird. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Like, I thought it was going to take us a little bit longer. (laughs) I kind of thought that, too. I was kind of, in my head, imagining, like, eight episodes or something. But this is is fine. This is fantastic. Um, So we're going to dive just right back in, because, like I said, our timer is running. Um, Had a bit of a brainwave. I watched Inception uh, in between recordings of this episode, and... There's a scene at the end. If you've seen the movie, um, you'll know this scene. If you haven't, get yourself right. Um, so there's a scene at the end where there's this like massive cityscape that's right on a beach. Like there's no there's no geography between ocean and city, mm-hmm. and it's got a whole thing to do with the plot of the movie, whatever. Um, but that visual, like this crumbling cityscape on an ocean. Um, that's kind of what I'm picturing the Western Isles as. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so so it's just like towers and buildings that are just completely cover the landmass because who knows, they probably had beaches before whatever before the before the goo the gray stuff arrived. Um mm-hmm. but now it's just the water has come up, the water levels have risen, it's come up right to the cities. Um mm-hmm. so that's kind of the flavor. So if you know Last episode, when we talked about the monstrous islands and everything, um, that's kind of what we're picturing, is just kind of a crumbling cityscape. You can go watch Inception or look up pictures on the Googles, and that will kind of tell you what it is. So, um, And I think that leads to something really interesting, when, especially when you start getting into the monstrous isles. You know, obviously where the people live, you know, yes, you can kind of see that, but it's also where the monsters live, are all of these abandoned and ruined buildings and... They are infesting the buildings and, you know, depending on how intelligent these monsters are, and we haven't really talked about their intelligence level and we need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, they may start building their own culture um, and start using these buildings as meeting places and, you know, things like that. Does do the quick, does the Quicksilver like completely remove capacity for thought? Um, we, we talked about a hive mind of the Quicksilver. I think, I think, um, when we when we first came up with the idea, when it was just like the the memory waters mm-hmm. that our our nomadic tribe used, um, when we first came up with that, like the the threat there was that eventually that pool would consume enough people and enough of their souls or their minds that it would gain sentience. So right. I think on some scale, that's probably starting to happen. Like some of these creatures are probably not just mindless zombies anymore. Some of them are, at the very least, sapient at this point. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine probably some sort of hive mind, but maybe not. Maybe some of them have just kind of adapted to it, and it's like a, some of them are like packs or maybe a proto-tribal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say, like, like when imagining this, this city, you know, on the side where the, where the islanders are, where the kingdom is over there, the... Uh, 
the gold people, uh, you know, they've had like they've been able to coax the crystal to regrow and right. to, to build those bridges. I'm kind of imagining almost like a, a negative image over on the monster styles where it's the Quicksilver has been coaxed to grow in between like these ruins. So okay. you can get almost like a netting or kind of something like the Zerg almost from Starcraft. like that kind Or of like or- Kudzu. Yeah. Where it's just kind of slowly taking over and engulfing. So some of that just to give like an organic feel to the mm-hmm. construction. Yeah. I like that. That's good. There's probably there's probably something big like a couple of big monsters at the heart of that of that island that are probably more intelligent than the others. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking is that you know as time went on and more and more people got fed to the quicksilver and more and more people you know their memories got absorbed and their beings got absorbed the things started to get smarter. They started to get, you know, more aware Mm -hmm. and so i'd almost like the idea that you know obviously we've said that unless they are purified these things really can't die so you know there's still like original monsters on that island that just haven't been purified and they are the lowest level of intelligence but then you have newer monsters and newer zombie like people that have gotten introduced that are like, hey, I'm going to use my hive mind to take control of you. You will listen to me because we are connected. You are going to do my bidding. Now, granted, it's not maybe completely sentient, but rudimentary at least. And so, you know, if you purify that, then you cut off the head and then they the others get confused. And so it builds kind of a hierarchy of monster. Yeah, like there's there's probably some that can exert that hive mind influence in almost like an instinctual way, mm-hmm. where there are some that are just like um, just like a basic hive mind. Some of them just instinctually tap into that and can move things around. And then there's probably, and this is probably more of an adventure hook thing. There's mm-hmm. probably something that has risen out there mm-hmm. that is doing it deliberately. And there's always there's always that fun to play around with, like, the thing that looks totally human. Right. That's risen amongst the enemy, you know, uh, kind of like the White Walkers from Game of Thrones, that whole mindset. Um, Absolutely. So that's some good threats to consider that we'll we'll touch on a little bit here. Um, in fact, what let's let's nail down a few other threats that are hovering around these monstrous isles. Okay. So we've got we've got something that's like a more intelligent hive mind, maybe like a queen almost, mm-hmm. if we want to just turn into the hive mentality. I also think that the quicksilver has invaded the water. And so a lot of the water creatures could be uh susceptible to the quicksilver. Oh yeah, remember we established that the quicksilver covers the bottom of the ocean. Right. So like, because I, what I what I imagine happening is that when these monstrous isles do decide to attack is, you know, especially the southern isles that have domesticated walrus and domesticated uh, seals and that kind of thing, that these animals are 
there are twisted versions of them that have been infected by the Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that could be interesting. I imagine some of those are starting to crop up over on the Southern continent. Exactly. And it, it's freaking the people out. Yeah. Like something almost like rabies to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, my seal just turned vicious all of a sudden. Right. And its eyes changed color and we don't know why. Yeah. Because they're not really connected to the crystal. They don't know anything about it. Yeah, they they're not they're not aware of that, and the person who would know is probably not sharing that information. Right. Yeah, I I like that. That's that's a good threat, especially that's another good thing that will keep people from easily moving between continents. Mm-hmm. Was, who knows? There might be like a proper kraken out there that's just been completely dominated now and yep and will destroy you polices the waters yeah uh let's see what other good threats could there be there are of course naturalistic threats so predatory animals um we could even do predatory plants if we wanted to i like that that sounds like something that's probably in like the bay of ghosts Mm Hmm. something like and in like the mangroves over in the lake on the northern continent Mm-hmm. Like there might be a part of that that's been corrupted somehow and is, or maybe not even corrupted. It's just naturally like reacted badly to a crystal and, or maybe Absolutely. like grew up around a crystal and kind of developed its own instincts and everything. Right. But it was, it's more self-preservation because with the animals and with the plants, I'm very much, I want them to be very naturalistic in that they are not really evil. They're just self-preserving. Yeah. So they will only attack if attacked. You know, they're not, unless they're hunting you for food or whatever, but they're not inherently evil unless they're possessed by the Quicksilver in which they just want to destroy life. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a good... Have It's always good to understand that the natural world is not a friendly, happy place. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's... We need a few other things... Um, what are some other... We had talked about maybe some wolves over on the southern continent. Mm-hmm. So are there probably just extra large... Kind of dire types? wolf type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That probably live close Just large packs of wolves. Live on the edge of the civilized land so they can pick off things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, normally they go after uh, the domesticated animals because humans put up too much of a fight. But that could even be a plot hook. You know, why are these wolves now starting to target humans after they've gone so long just being satisfied with walrus and seal? You know, why are they now picking off people? And it's because, hey, spoiler, Quicksilver stuff. Or or even like the wolves have realized that some of their normal prey is now corrupted by something that they it's don't want to part of. It's now corrupted and it's killing them. Yeah. Or there's also could be some threat from deeper on the continent that's driving them out of their lands a little bit. Absolutely. Um, what about on the northern continent? There we have a little bit more diverse terrain. For sure we have like grasslands, uh, forest, lake, and desert. Uh, we have room for some other different terrain there as well, if we want to put some in. There might what be I think could be interesting as far as, as natural threats um, would be large birds. 
um you know like I'm thinking, I can't remember the name of the birds, but the the big black birds in Final Fantasy X that you fight in the Bicanel Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, just these massive birds that, again, are satisfied mostly to pick off domestic animals, but will sometimes get a human if the human is looking the wrong way. Um, big cats could also work with a lot of the uh, environment that we've set up. With the grasslands, yeah. I think I think probably the birds and the cats are what's going to be the predominant threat in the grasslands. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly around the area of like the people of the mountain mm-hmm. or the children of the mountain. I kind of want to add in like a swamp or something, maybe down where some of these rivers feed into the lake. Oh yeah, is yeah, swamps are always fun. That'll give us the opportunity to do stuff like maybe add in giant snakes or something like that. Giant snakes. Um, will-o'-wisps would be kind of cool to do in the fog or Ooh. in the in the swamp. I like that. That you know, and whether or not they're magical or natural, people aren't sure, but they're just lights that appear that um if you follow them, a lot of the times it will lead to your death because you'll step off into quicksand or a bog or something that you weren't expecting to be there, you get swallowed up and you die. Yeah. Um so whether it's magical or mystical is not really important it's just that it's there and maybe each tribe has their own opinion of what the lights are I like that it's probably there's probably you know these are the lost souls or these are mm-hmm. malevolent spirits or something. or this is swamp gas that's you know catching fire and that's what you see yeah so I'm adding I'm adding kind of that swamp along the rivers leading into the lake. Okay. Just kind of in that, in that V right there. Um, okay. That leaves. An Let's call it the mire. The mire. I like that. That leaves kind of an interesting thing is what's on the other side of the mire. Cause we could easily bring that up along both of those river banks to make like a zone that people have difficulty getting into. Is there something at the center of that? an oasis like a paradise okay and maybe uh again plot hook but maybe there's something special that grows there that can't be obtained really anywhere else just by the topography and because of how um you know how it's getting its water and all of that stuff maybe it's a special plant or you know something that grows there that can be used as medicine which is why people attempt to pass through the mire yeah because you could probably find like little shoots of it in the inner reaches of the mire right but the actual true plant can't be found until you get into that center point that kind of eden i like that we can figure what that is a little bit later um okay so that what about the desert? What sort of natural threats are there in the desert? Mm, I want to do sandworms, but that's very dune. It's super dune, but that was also kind of the way I was going. Um, maybe let's let's scale back from sandworms. Um, what if there's just a smaller scale thing? What if there's something like a boa constrictor? Okay, like sand snakes. Yeah. Okay. Make them closer to like an anaconda in size, so it kind of bridges mm-hmm. the gap. That could be cool. But um, also, obviously, plants that want to kill you. 
um, cacti, but maybe like poisonous cacti, um, you know, Venus flytraps, except that they're huge because they're trying to get as much uh, moisture as they can. So like their catching mechanisms are very, very large while the plant body itself is not very big. What if, what if it's a, um, what if it's like a Venus flytrap, but it's in the sand? I was just thinking that. Yeah. And it's more like, oh, look, an oasis. Like the mouth is full of water. But it's like a bear trap and then it comes up and snaps on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's got like little, almost like sarlacc tongues that can wrap around Mm -hmm. you and pull you in and. I like that a lot. Okay, what else do we want to do for the desert? I want to kind of do something weird for the desert, because the desert is also the repository of all of that information and that technology. Uh, like, it's the, yeah, like, it's the hidden library? Yeah, it's like the old world kind of stuff. Closer, probably, probably something to do with whatever the Western Isles are the remnants of. Right. So maybe there's some, not automatons, automatons. Uh, maybe golems. Ooh, golems could be cool. Yeah, like I'm picturing something that's like clay or stone, and has like a fragment of crystal in the mm-hmm. center. They were they were the farming Im- implements. Ooh, yeah, because the northern so like the desert was probably like the repair and workshop area. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't be, they did, they saw no reason to terraform a desert when they had all the other land, right? So they would just that was like home base. It was a place they could play around it and not ruin the crops. Mm-hmm. And these golems speak in an old language that, like, the islanders could understand. And really, it's just a corrupted to the people it's a corrupted version of the language that they currently speak but what it is is the proto language that led to the language that they currently speak yeah. so they can recognize a few of the words that the golems speak but the way they say them and the order and the syntax doesn't make sense because it was the language that was spoken before the cataclysm yeah i like that that's good um what about the forest well, I mean, they do live in complete shadow, so the the nature, like, I feel like the naturalistic animals and things would adapt to that, so their coats are very, very dark. Um, basically, like, stalking shadows, almost. Like, they're indistinguishable sometimes, um, except for maybe you can see their eyes, but that's about it. So they've got, like, that mottled gray and silver color to them. Mm-hmm. Are we thinking cats again there? Or are we thinking more? I'm cats? leaning to it to cats. Okay. Um it could be a hybrid. Maybe like a I think I think one or the other, maybe. Is I don't we haven't really covered a lot of genetic drift. Variants. Yet. Yeah. Um maybe more like a lynx. A lynx or a raccoon. Oh. Ooh, just a giant, some larger raccoons. Larger raccoons still have the opposable thumbs and are a little bit more violent. Oh, God, Alan. What if they're a little bit more intelligent, too? Oh, of course they are. Yeah. Ah. If raccoons got smart, they would just own the world. And that's bad news, bears. Okay, so we've got some 
lynx type cats. And I also in the, I don't know, in the forest, I almost want there to be like shadow wraiths and whether or not they're real, who knows, but at least it's a, a tale that's passed by the, by the forest people. But I'm I don't sure. want them to necessarily be malevolent all the time. I kind of want them to be like the Fae, where they can be good or bad. You never make deals with them, because it's never going to go this way you want it to. But they are not inherently good, nor are they inherently evil. They just are. Yeah. Um, I like that. Let's... Um... Yes. So there's something out there, vaguely human shape. Mm-hmm. Maybe like almost a made out of fog. It looks like typically something. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's definitely keep those. So fog wraiths of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to expand on that. That there are that there's like a secret police organization kind of Ooh, that okay. that that tribe saw those wraiths and were like, oh, now that's a good idea, and they found a way to almost like do something with cloaks that make them mimic it. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be a fog wraith or it might be one of our shadow stalkers or something. I like the name shadow stalkers instead of them being police. What if they're sentries? Oh, I like that. Just patrolling the forest. Yep. To make sure no outsiders come in without them knowing. And also probably to, just keep tabs on everything that's going on in the forest. Yep. But I like the idea of strangers coming into the forest and trying to sneak up on them. And then like, whoever is the leader is like, Oh no, we've known that you've been here for days. Yeah. They just turn around. We've been monitoring you. Yeah. We know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I also, how weird would it be for our like people? merfolk not the lake people themselves yeah but like animals quote unquote if if we did something more the more bestial kind of merfolk as opposed to the more Mm -hmm. human human yeah more harry potter merfolk less little mermaid yeah i think that would work something you can we can give them a different name Mm-hmm. Or they can have a different name, but yeah, I like but that. But they live in like the chasm underneath like the lake. Maybe there's like a chasm in it that's way too deep for the lake people to go, but that's where the merfolk live. Live in caves. And so, ooh, there. maybe they're like uh, anglerfish and they've got like super big eyes because they're they're used to living in the darkness. They're kind of creepy, and again, but they're non-violent. A little bit, a little bit tribal. A little bit tribal. They trade with the lake people, but they don't. They're the only people that they make contact with. If anyone that's not a lake person or one of the designated lake tradesmen goes in there. They die. Their life is forfeit. Yeah. I like that. So a merace. That's fun. Uh, What else is in the lake? Bioluminescent plants. Yeah. Um, are they? Are there some carnivorous ones in there? Or? Oh, of course, absolutely. And you know, uh, there's fish and shellfish. Um, I would love for there to be like giant sea stars. 
obviously yeah. fresh water, but they cling. Oh, maybe that's part of what makes the um, makes the kelp work for the lake people is that the sea stars also provide oxygen and like help with the oxygen transfer. I wonder if it's um, if maybe the sea stars are not your traditional like thick limbed ones, but the really narrow limbed mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, and what it is is it's they have found a way to domesticate those almost. Ooh, cool! And so that forms the basis that they then weave the basket around. Yes, I like that a lot. So it gets to eat some of the kelp, and they just patch it up from time to time, and they also just feed it. Like they'll mm-hmm. they have a part of their little area where they open a trap door and dump some food in there and close it up and. The house has been fed today. Yep. And it can be like the kid's job. Yes. You know, go feed the house. You know, maybe even name. Maybe each house has a name. I like because that. Because each house is a creature. Like these things, <laughs> as I talk about them, they just keep growing. But it's one creature per house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. So they don't say, I'm going home. They say, I'm going to Renar. Yeah. And Renar is the name of the creature. It's not sentient. It can't speak. It doesn't do anything like that. But the family has grown attached. And they love this creature because the creature, you know, helps them live. And so it's a nice symbiotic relationship. These creatures are sacred. Almost. Yeah, definitely, definitely, probably just on the border of sacred, more like almost, sacrosanct. Yeah, or shamanistic, almost. Mm-hmm. That like it's it's the embodiment of the spirit of the house or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so we have we have two other areas on the northern continent that right now are not specifically determined to be. They're probably some sort of plains, maybe a veldt or a savanna. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to do anything else? Do we need to differentiate them at all? Do we need to make them a different environment or anything? Or do we just want them to be more plains? Because that was kind of the original conceit. Was it? I think it would be cool if somewhere in those plains are ruins. But not like of a city but maybe of a craft. Okay. Well, we had, uh, we had mentioned that this was the old farming farmlands. Mm-hmm. So we could, we could do something like, um, we have the golems, So we know they had some sort of technology like that. What if this was like a golem carrier almost, or an ancient silo? Ooh, I like both of these combine them. So there's a silo for grain storage, but down in the bottom of the silo, there, was, that's where the golems are kept. Yeah, that was like the the chief. That was that golems like those golems went there to recharge every night or whatever. Exactly. I almost see it like the Borg, um, the Borg recharge stations. I can't think of what they're called, um, but where the Borg go to <laughs> go night night um, yeah. and recharge. But that, but for golems. You know what that? Eden and then up place above them the, is where the grain would be kept. You know what that Eden place in the middle of the mire might be? What? A place where the golems never received a shutdown command. Ooh, yeah. I like that. 
that could be very interesting. And maybe, obviously, there's a crystal there. Maybe that crystal shielded them from the shutdown command. Or something, there was some interference with it or something. Well, maybe, maybe these golems, ooh, what if those golems in that particular place, they don't use their crystal anymore? They basically all operate off this central crystal, this main, like this crystal in, in this Eden has basically overridden their personal crystals. And so when they were told to shut down, they shut down for like 15 seconds, but then the crystal reawoke them to basically care for it. I wonder if it might even be that this was uh, like a laboratory. Ooh, okay. And that the scientists in charge, the, the group of scientists in charge, were just like, why is there a shutdown signal coming in? No, thank you. What if, and this could be too crazy and... You know, shut me down if it is. What if when these scientists died, they found a way to transfer their minds into the golem's crystals using the crystal that was there? So these golems are ancient researchers, but no one's ever been able to see them because the mire is too dangerous. I I wonder, even taking that a step further, if... They got that shutdown command that was sent out to all of the golems. And these guys were like, well, no, thank you. We're good. We still need food. So we're going to override that and leave ours running. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, they realized what was going on and they built themselves modified golems. Oh, so interesting. A bit more like a bit more human form. That had like the greater dexterity needed to still conduct all of their research. So they've just been hopping from golem body to golem body in these other model of golems for centuries now or whatever. Interesting. Very interesting. I like that a lot. And that's a really good adventure hook. That's like a whole adventure mm-hmm. in and of itself. So that's fun. Okay. Um, talk to me more about the silo with the golem hanger underneath it do we need to do anything else with that so i want it to be kind of last of us where it's in intact but it's got thing like the the seed and the the stuff that had been in it sprouted Mm -hmm. and so like the plants are growing out of the silo if that makes sense, like it's yeah. broken through the walls of the silo and is starting to grow. So basically the silo that stretches way up into the heavens has plants kind of wrapping around it. I feel like I feel like this might give us a pretty interesting opportunity um, to maybe change something with our nomad tribe with the forgotten people. Mm-hmm. Maybe the silo is their one big settlement. Oh, okay, yeah. This is their base. They don't tell anybody about it, and they're the only ones who really wander around enough like, to know it's there. Let's put it down here in this area. Yeah. So it's as far away from the other nomad tribe as it can be from the Children of the Stone. So no one really knows about it, and they don't advertise it, but they have people that scale the silo and harvest crops from the edges of it. Yeah. I like that. 
and they have oh they have a group of uh, people whose job it is to stay on top of the silo to keep watch. Yeah, yeah, it's the crow's nest, literally. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're called crows. Yeah. Okay. Do we need anything else on the northern island there? I don't think so. Now. So, let's see here. Um, threats on the western islands is pretty, pretty easy to figure out. Yep, that's there. There be monsters. Yep, just all the time. Um, southern continent. I want to. I want to put almost like an observatory down there somewhere. Okay. Like maybe maybe closer to like a Elder Scrolls uh, Ori instead of a proper telescope observatory, but okay, something like that. Maybe in like an old impact crater or something. They've just kind of built over. That could and be very now cool. it's like under a glacier. Ooh, okay. Or maybe they even built it into a glacier. But like, I want some sort of like. It doesn't have maybe to be. It's the farthest north that they've ever gone. Yeah, like anything old... past that is, you know, life-threateningly cold and dangerous. But right at that point, the furthest north they could go, they built this sanctuary almost. Yeah, and I feel like as like a plot hook to it, like in the Ori, there's records of the event that brought the goo. Mm-hmm. Like the impact that brought that. So that they could, you know, like eventually someone could figure out how to operate it chart it back, and then as they roll forward through time, be like, oh, oh dear, there's another one of those comments coming from the same source. Yeah. Yeah, something's coming. As a potential apocalypse. Yeah. Um, So I want to kind of put that on the southern continent down here near the river that feeds into Lilium. Yeah. Just because that's that's where they would explore most, would Mm -hmm. be along the river. And they would probably, they, I imagine that's probably like a town settlement sanctuary as well. Mm-hmm. Because they probably still send expeditions out there. People are crazy and want to go fill in the edges. Oh of the yeah, maps. absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's like the last step before the before the Yukon kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And underneath the glacier that they're nestled up against is this orrery um, in the ice that it's known about, but no one really goes in it except for the few people who are actively trying to study it kind of deal. Yeah, like people have bored into it, but again, it just is so cold in there because it is surrounded by ice that people can't stay in there very long. And I, I imagine that it's broken. Like there's something that used yes. to be able to regulate the temperature, things like that, and maybe that's and that a could quest. be part of a plot hook. Yeah. You know, the 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 adventurers come along and say, Oh, this rune like, looks like it's broken. What happens if I... Oh, cool. Everything's starting to get warm. Yeah, that's 100%. So what do we want to call that town? Do we want to put a name on that? I think we want to put a name on that. Yeah. It's probably it's probably like not a very big town, but it's going to be like... Almost like the second city of Lilium, in a way. Ooh, maybe it's Aurora. Hmm, I like that. 
I was thinking something about uh, eyes and stars because the whole point is to be looking up into the heavens. Ooh, I like that more. Um, heavens gaze? Heavens gaze is... I like that. Stargaze? Stargaze. Then it's not as much closely related to Heaven's Gate, which yeah. know, dates me, but whatever. Yeah. Stargaze. I like that. Maybe then even we can kind of roll back in and add the observatory back in. Maybe some kooks built an observatory on top of that glacier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also like that the city that was there where the Ori was is also in the glacier. And the way it worked was when the impact happened, these people were basically, it was a reverse Pompeii. So instead of volcanic rock, these people were encased in ice. And so the ice is so clear and beautiful that you can gaze on these people in death. And so people have gone up there to study, you know, what, what did the ancients wear? What was their culture just based on what they can see? I feel like that might be a little bit in the future. Maybe they haven't found the city part yet. Okay. Is that, that still leaves room to explore that, that area a little bit. So it's there. there that's is also a, a cool plot hook. Yeah, there's a city there in, in the ice. Everyone that lived there got flash frozen. But it's all still encased and people don't quite know about it yet. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Let's do a real quick naming buzz around the northern continent. Um, We haven't actually named any of these locations, really, in the northern continent. Um, The central location for the children of the mountain is just the mountain. Mm -hmm. That probably doesn't need a name. That's probably just the mountain. The mountain, Um, the stone. The stone, yeah. Probably the stone, I think, is what I'll default to there. Uh, That was not the alarm going off. That was my phone making a different noise. (laughs) No worries. We're not done yet. Yeah, my phone went off earlier, and I was like, "Uh oh, let me turn that off. Um, What do we want to call the, like, the lake dwellers? Does their little... We had... Yeah, we gave them a name. Well, their city, not them. Um, Did we name their city? I thought we did. I uh, know we named them the Marinette people. That's true. Um, yeah, we named the peoples. We didn't name their cities at all. We didn't name the cities. Uh, but the question is, does the Lake Tribe need a name on the city? I want there to be one because otherwise, it, to me, it kind of feels lazy. Okay. To just have it be the stone and the lake. Um, well, I feel like the stone is probably just... That's what they call it. That's yeah. Probably is the name. I mean, um, um, well, okay. While while you're thinking about that, we have the lake people. We have the forest city. We have the desert city, and we have the uh, newly made uh, nomad tribe city to name. Um, we also need to name the Eden. The Eden-like research facility. Um, Mar? For the lake? Lake Mar? I like that. Yeah. That'll work. Because they are the Marinette? Yeah. 
Maybe like Marin. Marin, I like that. The forest. I um, almost want to call it the forest of silence, but I don't. Shadowwood. Shadowwood works. Is that going to be the name of the city too? No, the city. Ombre. Umber. 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 I like that. The desert city. What about the repository? I like that. Yeah. And the the nomad the, silo. I almost just want to call it home. Okay. That works because then they can just say, "Oh, we're just going home," which yeah, everyone else home. would take to be a joke, but really isn't. That's the name of the city. Yeah. Okay. And the research station that we kind of established in the middle of the mire. I feel like it would have like an official designation, but that might have been corrupted. Me too. Ooh, ooh, okay. So it was research station something. So now it's... The research has kind of fallen off because no one really grocks that anymore. So then it became station something, which was truncated in all the official designations. So uh, we need some sort of designator for it. So it became Saint. S T. Mm. Saint something. Uh, the only thing I'm coming up with is numbers, like 606, but then it just kind of gotten to sauce. S O S. So Saint Sauce. <laughs> I like that. I actually I actually kind of enjoy that. Oh, maybe it's uh six oh six and then like a, it's an alphanumeric. So six oh six E was the designator. So now it's Saint Seuss. Saint Seuss. Okay. Because that's the kind of thing that could spread as a legend amongst the amongst mm-hmm. the land. Maybe a, occasionally you get people that pop up and like. Oh, I saw someone from... I saw one of the holy people from St. Sauce. Or St. Mm-hmm. Sauce. Okay. Um, Alan, we made a freaking world here, man. This is... Uh, I'm pretty this... excited. I'm pretty proud. So, let's, uh, let's jump ahead a little bit and take up something that we were going to use... Do for the next episode. We have about 15 minutes left in this one. Let's come up we've already done a couple let's come up with a couple of more adventure hooks uh so as a reminder we have an adventure hook into eden mm-hmm. so into saint sos saint Seuss. your mileage may vary on that name call it what you, pronounce it how you want uh yep. and over to stargaze into the ori and stargaze mm-hmm. and we kind of have the the larger story of the westerners fighting the the quicksilver mm-hmm. with their kind of overwatch people the pure and their final check the army that's being built in valry right so what other adventure hooks do we want to do for the lake people okay 
their houses, some of their homes are just starting to fall apart. And what's happening is the Quicksilver is getting into the creatures. Okay. Which is poisoning them. And so instead of taking them over, it's just killing them outright. And so they wither and die, and these homes fall apart and people are dying. Um, And so the lake folk are begging for help to figure out what's happening to their home. Okay. So they have to go find whatever's introducing the Quicksilver in. and Exactly. And that could be a way to bring in the merfolk. It could be, you know. Oh, maybe that chasm. There's lots of possibility there. That chasm has opened up down at the bottom. They have to go reseal it. I like that. Um. Your turn. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I want to do something else in the southern continent. Um, so we've mentioned that somewhere probably close to the pole is a crystal. Right. And it's like the one on the southern continent and it's isolated from all the others. Right. It's disconnected. Yep. Um, there's a, uh, there's an Iditarod. Ooh, cool. So, competitive teams that don't take the established path from Lilium to Valry, they basically go the other way, the long way. Mm-hmm. And what it is is they did one like years ago, and like one team made it to Valry from Lily- from Lilium. So they're someone's reviving it. And they want people to go, but they don't have any record of the previous race route. So they're like, well, get from here to there. Don't go that way. Mm-hmm. And go. So the adventurers are hired to go along. Like, they're one of the competitors. Very cool, yeah. And, man, that's a whole ho- that's a whole adventure almost on its own. Because mm-hmm. you might find ruins over there or ghosts or something probably like a wrecked ship buried in the yep. ice so the, absolutely uh, needs a better name not i did a ride uh the trackless ice trackless ice is probably what what the region's called yeah uh so it's the uh, trackless run the trackless run the arctic run the trackless Arctic could be what the the regions called. Yeah, of, yeah, I like that better. So the trackless run. Mm-hmm. That's a good little. We need. Let's do one more each, or a couple more each. Who knows? Until we get bored of them. Um, trackless run. Do you have any others? Another one for the southern continent could be the introduction of the Quicksilver in that they're starting to see it pop up. It was it kind of harkened back to a hook that I talked about earlier, but the um, like the wolves and things are starting to attack humans instead of their domestic animals. And people are also noticing that the domestic animals are acting strangely. Okay. I like that. 
So that could be a good low-level adventure for why are the wolves doing this, what's going on, what causes this thing, and it also is a good introductory to what is the Quicksilver, why is it this way, and how does it work. I like that a lot. Um, want to do one for the Western Isles, where it's um, kind of a Maze Runner Hunger Games scenario. Mm-hmm. There, the PCs have, just for being interlopers, basically, have just been, like, tossed onto the Monstrous Island without the benefit mm. of being tossed in the penal colony. They've been right. dropped over somewhere else, and their only instructions from their captors was just, like... Survive. If you make it, if you go that way, clear across the island, literally all the way across the island, there's a penal colony... If you make it there, we'll give you an audience with the king. If you can survive that trial, we'll pick you up and give you an audience. Go! Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, monstrous maze runner. Then you could also do a plot hook of monsters starting to appear on the northern continent. Ooh, absolutely. Something's washed ashore. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a pretty good plot plot hooks, and we can expand those when we type this all out uh, Mm -hmm. into something a bit bit more fully formed. I think we might call this episode early. I think so. It's only eight minutes early, but that's fine. Uh, (laughs) So, we'll see y'all next episode. I've been Matt. And I'm Alan. Uh, Bye. Bye. You can find Alan at Alan underscore cells on Twitter. You can find Matt at Matt Hoadley on Twitter. You can reach the show at forging underscore worlds or by emailing us forging worlds at fifthdraw.com. This show and the rest of the fifth draw family of shows can be found at fifthdraw.com. Forging Worlds is presented under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org. 